Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest Good morning, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. We're wrapping up today and tomorrow the Gospel of Matthew. Mm-hmm. Down to the very last paragraph. Yeah, and I guess uh, picking up on Monday, the plan is that we'll be looking at the book of Galatians. Galatians, coming up. Yep, Loving absolutely. that, mm-hmm. loving that. So that's something to look forward to. But of course, in the midst of Matthew 28, we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And now let's move to that last paragraph. Why don't you go ahead? You're going to read that for us from the New King James? Absolutely. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16 and through the end of the chapter. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. The gospel is completed. Mm-hmm. This is the so good news. be it. The good news. I do think it's interesting as we wrap this up, just to, to, to recognize the, the ancient Christians as they looked at this book and the three that follow it, the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Mark, according to Luke, according to John, Mm -hmm. there's a very real sense in which all that we have been reading for the last 28 weeks, these early Christians said, what's the gospel? Well, this, this is the gospel. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I want to tell you about how he was born. I want to tell you about what he taught. I want to tell you about some of the things he did. And I want to tell you about how he died. Mm -hmm. And then I want to tell you about how he rose from the dead. That's right. And then here's his final message as recorded in Matthew. Interestingly, Matthew does not record the ascension. Mm -hmm. Here we just have a summation of the final teachings. He had the disciples go to Galilee. He spent some time with them in Galilee. And here's a summation of the teaching that he was giving them. Mm -hmm. And here's what he says. Now, I find this a little bit surprising. I'll just okay. throw this out. Uh, you know, on the one hand, I've read this again and again and again. I've preached sermon on this, sermons on this. I've sure. seen this. I've taught classes on this. So it's very easy to just, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go make disciples, baptize. You know, just kind of reading it like that. Shouldn't do that. I didn't read it that way. No, you did. I didn't say you did. I didn't say you did. I said it's very easy for me to just get to it and just read right there. Rattle it off. Okay, we're done. Okay, Matthew's over. Let's move to Mark. But or as we're going to do, Galatians. But, okay, let me back up. And what is the foundation that Jesus uses? And I think through this, and the reason why I am a little bit surprised is not so much about what I've seen in Matthew, but as I take a listen to the general tenor of, in modern day, foundation for Christianity, what what people in modern day seem to suggest, you know, why should we go out and teach people about Jesus? Well, most folks would say, well, because Jesus is love. Mm. Why should we go out and teach people about Jesus? Well, because he is merciful and because he's gracious. These are the things that get presented today as if they are the fundamental foundational reason for making disciples. And and all, those things are important. Yeah. Those things are there. They are fantastic. They are motivating. I get all that. 
But then I come back to what Jesus actually said, and that was not his foundation for why disciples should be made. Mm. His foundation is not his love or his grace or his mercy. His foundation is authority. His authority. All authority has been given to him on hev- in heaven and on earth. So my question for you, Andrew, what does that mean? Well, I think it brings us back. You said such as the end of the gospel, Matthew, a moment ago, amen. And it begins by bringing us back to the beginning and the emphasis of him in Matthew chapter one as a descendant of David, right? That there is a king and an expectation, a messianic expectation that a descendant of David would reign on the throne of David, would be the great king of God's people. And we are seeing here that this has happened in Jesus Christ, that he is that descendant. He is the one who has authority. He has been speaking with authority throughout. He has been acting with authority and demonstrating it over demons when he cast out demons, over elements when he calms the storm in the Sea of Galilee, uh, over sickness, over death, now in the resurrection, that uh, any question about his power and his right uh, to rule and then to affect it, right, to make it happen, has all been answered. So, I mean... in a way, well, what does all authority mean? I mean, it means lacking nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it is all of it. Probably would be a great exercise to just walk through Matthew and find all the times that it talks about his authority. You mentioned him speaking with authority. Mm-hmm. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. the people are in awe because he spoke as one having authority, authority yeah. and not like the scribes. In Matthew chapter 9, when he heals the paralytic, and he said, your sins are... First, he says, your sins are forgiven right. you, and the people are upset about this. He he heals him, but he says, so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Well, let's not rush through that. You know, that they're upset because who has the authority to forgive sins except for God? Yeah. God has yeah. it, which all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth is a statement of deity. It is. It is a statement is. of there's no way to have that kind of authority apart from deity, apart from the divine. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You know, Edwin, you were talking a moment ago when maybe first associations or word associations people have with Jesus or Christianity, being love, being grace, being mercy, and those are all positive things. And of course, he is full of grace and truth. Where else are you going to go to find those things? Right. We don't have the same, I think as a society, we don't have the same kind of warm, fuzzy feeling, uh, comfort feeling about the word authority. Mm -mm. That sounds very strong to us, maybe hits us a bit prickly. Uh, We'd rather be our own authority. We'd rather be self-determining or at least democratic about things. How about everybody get a vote? Uh, And this type of uh, declaration of unparalleled and unsurpassed authority, all authority, um, means that I'm not the one in charge, means that we don't all get a vote. You bringing up Democratic, I was about to jump in right at that moment and talk about wanting a vote. We we don't have leaders because they are inherently 
authoritative. We have leaders because we have invested them with authority through our vote and through these political machinations that we have in our modern day. We don't like kings. No. And it it may be one of the reasons Mm -hmm. why we, in our modern day, at least in the Western culture, do not like to talk about the authority of Jesus. Well, in our country particularly, you know, we've kind of devised this government, or the Founding Fathers did, as an answer to monarchy. We're just not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But Jesus is a monarch. He absolutely is. And that is is what he is declaring. He is a king. He is Lord. And that hasn't changed. We we often talk about how this is a a competing with or an answer to Caesar. And folks might have the, well, we don't have an emperor today, so things have changed. So Jesus has changed. No, he was Lord then. That's exactly The fact that our country has become a democracy and we elect a president has not changed the nature of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He is God. Yeah. He is king, all authority. And this is why we're supposed to go make disciples. We're supposed to make disciples because there really is a king. There is a king who is conquering the enemies, and he will conquer. Well, and just to speak to that, when we think about his grace and his mercy and the wonderful salvation that is in the gospel, Jesus is Savior. But he is, nevertheless, Lord. And at his return, judge. He's the one who executes the righteous judgment of God. And those are the parts of Jesus uh, we certainly need to understand. They are true and really need to shape our lives around that I need to obey him. I need to follow him uh, as, a, as opposed to I'll just do my own way and Jesus saves me in the end. Well, look, no one else is going to save you except for Jesus. But part of it is because he's your Lord, because you're one of his covenant people and in his church uh, and respecting his authority. And you remember that Jesus pointed out, if you're not for me, you're against me. Yeah. I think, I think there's this modern idea that there's at least three categories that, you know, look, I'm not sure about this whole Jesus thing, but I'm not going to do anything against him. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to be against him. I'm not, I'm not going to go out and tell people they shouldn't be Christians, and I'm not going to attack Christians, and I'm not going to burn church buildings. I mean, some people do those things. Well, some people do. But I'm not going to do those things. And so surely in the end, Jesus will see me as kind of that neutral guy. No, that's not how it works. If we are not for him, we are against him. He has all authority. And so what we need to be doing is going out and making disciples, bringing people to be for him, actively for him, because there's not two other categories. There's just one other category. And it's it's kind of similar to, I think, in the Proverbs where, and I'm probably not wording this exactly right, but as it talks about the lazy person is brother to the one who destroys, Mm. uh, you know, that proverb is highlighting the fact that you may think that you're not being destructive when you're not actually out actively destroying things. But he says, look, if you're not building things, you're the brother to the one who destroys. Because the the mere fact that you're not doing this is actually destructive and opposed. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, if I'm not actively for Jesus, whether I realize it or not, I am opposing him. I'm not bringing people to him. I'm not building his kingdom up. I'm, I'm actually doing things that influence folks against the Lord. If I'm tracking with you here then the gospel doesn't give a lot of comfort and a lot of cover to agnostics. No, not at all. Agnosticism. It does not. And Whereas in our society and culture, we're very comfortable with that. Yeah. Saying, oh, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe, 
But no. uh, but the, the gospel doesn't want us there at all. Jesus says you have to take a side, mm-hmm. and, and he and he actually points out you are taking a side. Yeah. If you are not for me, he says you are against me. Yeah. And that that is very opposed to our culture. Our culture doesn't like that at all. You know, basically, what our culture wants to say is, that, look, just just can you just leave me alone? I'm just going to go about my business. I'm I'm not going to hurt you. You don't hurt me, and we should just all be okay in the end, right? And and they they think that salvation comes by being neutral. That is not how it works. One of the things I'd like to speak to, and I know time's getting away from us, this idea that Jesus has all authority, it's not an idea, it's a truth that Jesus has all authority, but our rejection of monarchs and some of the, you know, a lot of the bad rulers and bad kings you read about in the Bible, there's a, a fear of seeing that much power with one person because because of man's wickedness and because mm-hmm. of sin and, and uh, weakness and so forth and so on. But what Jesus has dis- demonstrated is his justice, his goodness, his perfection. You have a king with all authority, but he's going to use it appropriately and for your good and for your blessing. And he's done everything to demonstrate that this power is going to be to benefit his people every which way you can trust him. And that's why we don't have to be afraid when he is the king. Do not be be afraid. afraid. Let's go ahead and wrap this up today. God in heaven, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for his goodness, his mercy, his love, his grace. Because when we recognize that, we can be thankful that he is the one that has all authority. But may we remember he has all authority. May we give him our allegiance and surrender our lives to him. Lord God, we love you so very much. Thank you for loving us first. It's through your Son, our King and Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.